Fun and Fancy Free, 1947. Following Make Mine Music the year prior, the two segments that make up Fun and Fancy Free incorporate popular Disney characters and celebrities. As the opening chorus sings about being fun and fancy free, in comes Jiminy Cricket floating on a leaf down a river, preaching the value of living carefree despite the circumstances. This film uses him much like it does Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, as recognizable but malleable icons. While these characters have consistent traits, like Donald's rage, the details and personality can shift between setting or picture, though this feels more jarring for a character known for a single film. Fancy Free feels structurally like the correct evolution of the Disney package film. The feature consists of two longer shorts that are tonally consistent, in this case both adaptations, and they are given a framework of stories being told by Dinah Shore and Edgar Bergen that ties them together. True to the cost-cutting nature of the era, nearly all of this film is scrapped together from pieces not fully realized before the war. The first short, Bongo, was being adapted as a pseudo-sequel to Dumbo, and this is evident from the style, even if the quality of animation does not match the formalist era's high watermark. This short depicts a circus bear named Bongo who is incredible at his craft but treated very poorly by his owners until he escapes into the woods only to find he does not have the skill set to be a wild bear. He eventually meets a cute girl bear in the woods, Lulu Belle, and tries to win her love, but conflict comes from Bongo not understanding that bears show affection through slapping each other. Once he understands this, he must successfully slap her after defeating another suitor five times his size, which he does thanks to his circus abilities. In this lies the largest inconsistency of the short. Bongo's movement is what wins him the love of Lulu Bell, but his lack of dexterity is used as visual shorthand for being unable to adapt to this new environment. He has difficulty jumping over branches and cannot climb a tree, and the film takes note to depict a little improvement in these two shorthand visual moments at the end of the story, but this narratively works against his circus training allowing him to outsmart his larger and stronger opponent. This inconsistency is only half of the short's problems, as it is also overburdened in voiceover narration. Much like the Peter and the Wolf segment in Make Mine Music, the voiceover delivered by Dinosaur is beyond overkill, stating plainly what can be understood from visual storytelling quickly becoming exhaustive. The dialogue is briefly charming in the segments with rhyming cadence, suiting a storybook tone, but that is only a fifth of the narration provided in between the songs she sings. This reads as an overutilization of the big names attached, which can also be said of Edgar Bergen's presence in the second half of the picture. As a result, the strongest moments of this short are moments of silence, especially the nighttime sequence in which Bongo is unable to sleep and scared of all the noises he hears, resulting in a madcap sequence running around as lightning flashes and other animals are seen menacingly. The second segment is Mickey and the Beanstalk, featuring Mickey, Donald, and Goofy as poor farmers and the Jack and the Beanstalk story. Between these two stories, Jiminy sees an invitation to a party and hops across the street to join it, hosted in live action by Edgar Bergen for two of his ventriloquist dummies and child actress Luanna Patton, who the invitation was for. It is all very strange, and it is Bergen who begins to recount the fairy tale, and while his narration is not as intrusive due to the Disney characters having actual dialogue, his narration is often accompanied by commentary from his snarky puppets to a diminishing result. The story opens on Happy Valley, a prosperous place with a large castle, in which is a magical singing harp. A large cloud suddenly looms over the valley and the harp is taken, eventually leading the valley to become poverty-stricken. Mickey, Donald, and Goofy are farmers, so poor that they are seen splitting bread and beans into transparent slices, until Donald tries to kill their only cow with an axe for food, and Mickey stops him, deciding to sell it. He of course trades it not for food or money, but for magic beans which get lost under the house and overnight grow into a beanstalk through their home, destroying it and taking them to the giant's home in the clouds above them. 
The sequence of the house being destroyed and the farmers being displaced by it while fast asleep is impressive and effectively comedic, treating them like ragdolls as they are pushed closer to precarious danger never waking, only to get lucky and arrived unscathed. Once in the clouds, the trio make their way to the castle passing massive footprints, and back in live action, Bergen does shadow puppetry to show what the giant might have looked like to his guests. The shadow puppet looks surprisingly great and transitions into the animated shadow of the giant relatively seamlessly. As narration explains, the giant's words fee-fi-fo-fum are magic phrases that allow him to shapeshift into any form. To say this narrative thread is underutilized is an understatement. Outside of one scene where Mickey attempts to outsmart the giant, he does not morph shape at all. When initially presented, I was hopeful for more spectacular sequences, especially as he chases after the trio. In the castle, Mickey and friends bask in the food towering above them until they must hide from the giant and are quickly found. Mickey attempts to trick the giant into becoming a fly so he can swat it with a nearby swatter, but the giant is so insistent on becoming a pink bunny that this plan fails and Donald and Goofy get locked in a chest, Mickey barely escaping. The harp assists them by singing the giant to sleep, and Mickey sneaks down to take the key from his shirt pocket, first falling into a container of snuff, and after freeing his friends, they escape with the harp and cut down the beanstalk, causing the giant to fall and die. Back in the live-action segment, Bergen is struggling to comfort one of his puppets that the story was not real, as he is troubled by the giant's death. While saying this, however, the roof of their house is lifted through animation and the giant is seen looking in, trying still to find Mickey very much alive. Bergen passes out in fear and the giant goes on walking through Hollywood's animated streets looking for Mickey. A large part of the studio's growth in this era can be attributed to the restraints of working with Les and the developments of Mary Blair's design and concept art. However, it is glaring that she is absent from this film's visuals and narratively it takes every wrong lesson from what worked in previous films. Fun and Fancy Free leans far too heavily on celebrity presence that muddies the clarity of visual storytelling the studio can do exceedingly well. To such an extent, this film is more pleasant when viewed silent. Despite this, the Mickey and the Beanstalk segment has continued to have releases separately with updated narration through the years, often with a comparable stand-in for a celebrity voice, in large part due to the marketability of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. While this film lacks any of the developments on display in Make Mine Music the year before, the next year they continued pushing forward toward the 50s. Next up, Melody Time, 1948. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays, you can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload. And there you will find in-text citations and works cited and share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading.